This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello. I, this is the Dance Podcast. I am Gabriel D'Souza with my host, Will. And, of course, our guest. Special guest, yes, Sam Wall. Yep. And I think we should probably get right into it. Sam is, I, I suppose I should first say, a member of our exec uh, this year. So, as, of course, Will and I both are. And so we will discuss the topic. Our ideas and beliefs predetermined by social and historical context. This discussion is essentially whether or not the beliefs, assumptions and knowledge claims that we hold true are, for the most part, predetermined by our own social, historical and cultural background. Or are they unrelated entirely? Well, I believe it's somewhere in the middle ground, but how about you? <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm quite undecided about this question. I, I think, yeah, we're basically going to, I think we'll, the discussion will largely be about where on the spectrum one falls. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is about if you're literate, you can read books from pretty much any era and be influenced that way. So that's the first thing that came to my mind as a kind of mm -hmm. counter argument to that. But... but then again, if anything, that that brings up the point of if you're literate, you're generally literate in one language mainly and that's what you read which heavily influences the pool you have access to it takes a lot more effort to gain access to translations of books and gain access to those ideas which is a social context which heavily influences your perspective yeah. i feel like we're a bit <clears throat> troubled here because um since there's only three of us and we're all like um re relatively stable people we all have um quite um Opinions that, as Sam said, are just on the spectrum, and we don't have the, you know, we don't have the, <laughs> we extreme view. Yeah, we don't have the um the guy we can all make fun of, but the point I'm gonna make is uh, I have no idea, um I, um the question is pretty um, it's a good question, but I, but I I mean I I'm here to like work out my answer which is also what you can do with dads but like <laughs> <laughs> always yeah. advertising i think me too i think hustle hustle maybe from what you said gabriel mm. we might have a different answer for say whether a literate person in tudor england or living in rome at the turn of the millennium their experience because they can only access things in their language or they have very mm. limited access to knowledge is different to the question that perhaps is more open today, like should what's actually influencing what I believe, that maybe is harder to answer. But I think we should address both the historical case and the contemporary case. Yeah, I think that that's a very valid point because it, it yeah, it's as you put it, if you can read, or even especially if you can't read, and historically that means where else can you honestly form your opinions? There aren't many people who um, were alive then or alive now, who are capable with so, like an absolute dearth of information to develop ideas and thoughts which aren't just ex astonishingly similar to the ones they've grown up with. But how's that different to previously? Because like, at least now you have the increased opportunity to um, you know, find out what you actually believe instead of just um, you know, going to the, the local field and... Um, speaking to um the the pastor or whatever and um 
you, you know, like your source of alternative opinions is the, the four people you, you go to the field with. And um, so what I'm saying is I, th I think, I don't think the question is as um, contemporarily different as you, you guys are suggesting. But the access to information is almost incomparably is wrong, but like it's so incredibly different to what it was before that after a certain point have we reached a place where no longer are we like there are certain elements perhaps which are predetermined but i yeah. don't think we're any longer in the stage where you know basically uh, i have the opinions of my family and i can't really establish like many others because i don't have the breadth of perspective in order to do so oh i thought you were saying that <clears throat> sorry I, I thought you were saying that um, people's opinions were becoming homogenous because the overload of information means it's difficult to form your own opinion that's what no i think we, i was arguing at least the opposite <clears throat> oh the opposite okay heterogeneous all right yeah I, I do agree with you but um my middle ground is that i think that the end result based on how people are is still more similar to the past than mm. you guys are giving credit for mm. So. Mm. yeah there, there are a lot of like sort of information bubbles essentially and even in the internet where there is the possibility of that range of communication you often just see small uh, subgroups which develop and then you communicate within that a sort of echo chamber to, to what extent do you think it has to do with the personality type of the individual because at least in the age of misinformation that's often how i feel about people some people blame misinformation itself for say a misguided voter voting for you know in quotation marks against their self-interest mm. but isn't the responsibility on the consumer of information to have you know to know to go and seek out other views or to go so if they're if they choose to get all their news from facebook or they form their beliefs solely from their church i mean take an example like india today yeah. very similar to evangelical christians in the united states like and there's a lot of Hindu nationalism and they consume their faith news from Facebook. If you have a personality type where you want to explore or you're a bit more contrarian, then mm. you can always break out of that. There is, however, the question, though, of whether that personality type is just intrinsic to the person or if that's something that developed from their own social and historical context. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Because I think <laughs> it's... It's certainly true that there's a certain curiosity that will at times help you to get out of a bubble in that way. But if you're brought up in such a way to not develop that, yeah. then, yeah, you, you get you get stuck in that place. But that is, then the misinformation leads into people growing up in that way. So it's, it's sort of cyclic in a way that's difficult to say, oh, the personality is to blame or the misinformation is to blame because they both feed into each other. So, so, so like what you're saying is that like Socrates would be the same, but like, you're welcome. But yeah. um, for context, Socrates is... Um, a Let's bus. explain all the jokes we make every time. This one needs to be explained. We, we explained this in the first episode. Know, oh, oh, did we? Oh yeah, no, we did. You know, you need God, repetition for revision. But, so. but um, yes, we, we need to clarify <laughs> Socrates every time. Socrates is a bust of Socrates from Greece. I nothing more needs to be said. Socrates, the so, real Greek so, philosopher. Yeah, if you really want to know, you have to listen to the first episode. To to to, for to be fair to me, joke. To be fair to me, 
No one is going to, other than us, is going to listen to these podcasts. Aiken listens. People listen. Really? Hello okay. To our dozens of listeners. I mean, home. we have like 10. That's as many as Purple Radio. <laughs> so we're no, get more we, we have radio. we have like ten. <laughs> I, I looked at the Spotify metrics and there's like ten listeners. <laughs> That's good though. <laughs> That's a good start. Philip Goff is coming on the pod at some point, <laughs> so we're going to be two degrees of separation from Joe Rogan. I I hate to say this, but I have no idea who Philip Goff is. That's okay. You're going to find out. But yeah, yeah you'll you'll, ne- topic, you'll never forget. What was what were you saying about Socrates? <clears throat> though? Oh yeah. So are you saying that um I'm going to Socrates? <laughs> yeah is um, going to be the same in Greece. But then, like, in modern times, there's going to be more, like, um, Socrates, people who are, like, a variation of Socrates because of what's encouraged. Is that what you're saying? Hmm. I suppose people are more enabled. Like, if you were like Socrates, you are far more enabled in the current society than I think you would have been then. <clears throat> yeah. So in that sense, the ability to spread information in that way is a lot easier. But also, yeah, I, I suppose I'd say on the whole, generally, information is easier to spread, which generally is positive, but does also include, of course, all of the misinformation. And then you can use that to trap people in loops. But well, yeah, what I mean is like, this, <clears throat> I think, I think no matter what the the external circumstances the nature of humans is still very similar i would imagine Mm. so um like no matter if there's like one you know one source of knowledge or if there's hundreds yeah i think that the end goal is that even though there there will obviously of course be some variation that um you know um the, the end goal is people still think to you know homogeneously to a similar extent because it I mean, one huge factor is, like, for most things, people don't really care, you know, so, mm. so like, about politics, I don't want to make this politics, but, like, maybe that's not the best example, because people at least, you know, claim to care and probably think about it a bit, but, like, I, I mean, like, save some, like, local, no, it's just save some celebrities, like, being, like, ragged in the news, mm. and, like, it's someone you don't really care about, and, um, you know, you don't, I, I'm not going to listen to examples, but you don't care about, like, their own, like, sanctity or dignity or truth, and you just kind of go with whatever seems easiest. And I don't think that's particularly different now that um, there's more ability to know about these people. Mm. There's, def- there's a French philosopher who died recently called René Chiffard, a theorist who I think he had no evidence for his theory, but he had this broad theory of mimetic desire, called mimetic theory not mimetic but mime miming other people right where he basically believes that one's desires are just copied and the ration the loose rational basis for this was that that's how one acquires language from miming and his idea was that <laughs> one's beliefs and desires are also acquired through mime so one classic example is two men are at a bar and a woman appears and one man likes the woman and then the other man thinks, well, he likes the woman, so she's desirable, so I should like the woman. Mm. And then the two men are in conflict. That the other, the the fact that the second man also desires the woman reinforces the first man's desire, because now he says, okay, mm. he likes the woman as well, so I must be right about liking the woman. And this can extend for lots of things like land in conflict, 
or resources or consumption under capitalism. Mm. And for opinions and beliefs, I think Gerard also believed this. I, th I think it was one way of, that he tried to explain the ideologies of the 20th century that, yes, you basically just copy the people around you and you can't get away from it. You, you'll just copy their desires. I mean, that sounds basically correct. Okay. Well, there you go. I mean, I'll push back, though. I can give a... Okay. Well, go on, give I, I don't know that I'd 100% agree with it, but there is an extent to which scientifically backed is not necessarily a claim I'd fully give, but, you know, mirror neurons are a significant way of how humans socialise and work, and a lot of that is... That's basically how our empathy works, right? You look at someone, mirror neurons are triggered, which give you and similar feelings and sensations. So... In that sense, it is kind of true that when someone else desires something, you probably will feel some of that. Like, not to differing extents. But... Uh, yeah, I'm saying more so, like, elicits the feeling. I don't think Sam or the, the French guy thought that. Yeah. Um, that so... you, you suddenly desire precisely what they do. Yeah, yeah, in the exact same way. I think it's more like just like a, a heavy influence that it's very difficult to ignore. Like, yeah. Like, even when I um, normally have a different opinion to everyone else around me, that doesn't mean that, like, I'm completely unaffected by other people's opinions. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm heavily affected. I just, yeah. I just you know, put it into the, uh, you know, the, the, the brain tank and, um, you know, sort it out, basically. But that wasn't meant as a joke, but thank you. Yeah, that's, that's just a colourful description of your mind. I think it's... That, that is very true, though. We are, humans are so influenced. I mean, there's a reason why we want certain things, and a lot of that time it's just come from our parents, because that's mm. what they want, mm. or what they feel they lack. And in that sense, or alternatively, it's something that you noticed they had, but they felt like they were without, and you're like, I'm going to be fine if I just have that. A lot of what we establish, and it's not necessarily miming, I suppose, it's also... I feel like there's an extent to which it's pattern recognition. Sometimes you notice something that's that someone else fails to notice. Yeah, I, so, I, I think Gerard, one of the best examples in contemporary society is what an adolescent does, what what a young person does from 15 to 25, say. Mm. And there are, I, I would submit there are a lot of people who kind of sleepwalk through that. And then you get to university, and then Gerard would say, um, well, that's why people go for these really general jobs after university, because they still don't know what they want to do. They don't really know what they desire. So they go into consulting or finance or law where their options are, remain very much open. Although I want to push back on it because I don't think I actually agree with him. I think one of the innovations, his mind, liberalism coming through, mm -hmm. of the West was the scientific revolution. And that's probably the first, one of the first great innovations of the West. And what's great about the scientific revolution is it does introduce a very counterintuitive way of thinking. Mm. I think those of us, the people who have a training in science, sometimes do think about the rest of their lives in a different way or reason about the world in a different way. And I, I can say for myself, sometimes I'll think like it would be a reflex thought for me to think, OK, well, but why do I think this? What would be like the best case against this? And I can I do that outside of science. But I think we're probably correct in saying that has to be taught. And it's not so-called innate, but mm. I think all humans obviously have the capacity for it. But it does have to be taught that way of thinking. I don't know. Like I think like science, at least at an early age, is just people like 
I mean, I interpreted it as like bullying you into saying this is true. So even, I mean, obviously you've got things that have like an objective basis to them, but even that is a form of like mimicry, I suppose. It's just a form of mimicry that stands up. I mean, I, I've only heard of this idea like 10 minutes ago when you mentioned it, but I don't, um, mm. like, e even if, so like if, um, so someone's talking about like the scientific like facts or whatever, and then some guy comes up and says, uh, no, um, the, the, the moon is a giraffe. I, I don't know. Some shit like that. Um, I've heard it said. I have no interesting response to that game I'm sorry <laughs> I mean to be honest the only time I heard it said was when you said it but that's technically true um, that's what I am for um, when I'm saying no that's not true I'm going to appeal to the scientific understanding that that is still in this context I guess like a kind of um, it's not like people just literally do whatever other people you know, tell you to do. That's like, say if everyone, like, runs on the road and gets run over, are you going to, like, follow the follow the people? Like, um, I mean, like... It's true, though, that if, when you're crossing a busy street in London, maybe it's purely on a rational basis. If there are 10 people crossing the street, you think this is going to be safe. Oh, yeah, no, I... Coming through I yeah, no, I'm the same. Like, I'm thinking if, like, there's six people crossing the road, that driver's going to be, like, in big trouble if he gets... Um, <laughs> if he runs them all over. <laughs> Um, probably they'll choose yeah, to crash. Yeah, one he has an, he has plausible deniability. But, but like when it's a certain number, it's like it's not gonna happen. Okay, <clears throat> but Will, maybe you're missing the point with this. What I mean by the scientific method isn't scientific authority. It's not us in the twentieth century, twenty first century saying, "Well, Newton is fact." Well, we now know Newton's not fact. But the point being that in science, the most prestigious thing is to prove everyone else wrong, and not to reinforce. That's the way to... Oh, right, okay, yeah, okay, I see, I see. Yeah. And from the basics, when I was alluding to sort of the start of the scientific revolution, what got me thinking about it was that in Greece, Aristotle never taught, never experimented his with his scientific theories. He thought a heavy object would fall faster than a lighter object, all things being equal there is, and he was wrong, but he never thought to test it. And I think that is something that has to be taught. Okay, I mean, tell me if I'm missing the point again, but like... I guess with, uh, like, I, I agree that it's something that is, like, valued highly, at least in this society. But is it natural to think in a scientific way when you're not, like, actively being, like, I, I, I'm in science mode? I'd argue no. I, I would agree. The intuitive way of thinking is, does sort of boil down to some extent to mimicry. I mean, th there's a certain amount of deduction, which I think people sometimes do naturally. But it's not the sort of, like, oh... Ah uh, well, I, I might be wrong. It's more like they'll come to conclusions which seem like they might make sense, but they won't then test those conclusions. It's like it's like Aristotle, you know. Uh, when a heavy thing falls on you, it hurts more. You're like, well, probably it falls faster. Whatever. Mm. And you know, that kind of vaguely makes sense. I guess it, deduction is the wrong term, abduction or something. But you're abduction. Oh, God, the differentiating Abducting between the two. Somebody. <laughs> no, um, abduction is doing things probabilistically, really, because oh. you're generally operating on incomplete information. Um, induction is like taking from like a, a case and generalizing it so you can state it for oh, yeah. all, all things. And then deduction is just drawing logical conclusions. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably not fully accurate. So you but... learn a lot on the Dad's podcast. Yeah. 
And I learned that from my single philosophy module, which, I mean, I already knew it, but they said it again there, so... But essentially... Okay, go on. Yeah, come to Durham, you um, learn things you already knew. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> God, where was I? Uh, yeah, essentially there's a degree to which people will think naturally that way, but they, I, I would agree, they don't think scientifically. It isn't really that natural to question your own beliefs unless actively confronted with something that's wrong with them. There is also an extent, though, to which... I, it may be the case that... It, you know, people don't na naturally question their own beliefs and then... But then people have questioned each other's beliefs throughout history, you know? It's not as though there haven't been, like, before the advent of, like, the scientific revolution. It's not like there weren't people who argued against each other and, you know, tried to refute other people. Like, um, Diogenes with the plucked chicken, you know, uh, immediately refuted Do you tell? something. Do you tell the story? Um, I believe... I, I forget... I forget the name of um, the individual who claimed it, but someone gave the definition of, like, what is a man? And basically they said, like, uh, a warm-blooded creature, like, un un without, like, feathers or fur or something. And so they brought in a chicken, having been plucked. And it was like, here, I, here is a man. I don't think I told that particularly well, but nonetheless. I saw, I saw you did that. That's pretty... Uh... You you've highlighted how stupid it is. Yeah. So that's that's good. I I like the, I like the story because it highlights um how um so my overall argument in this isn't that it's like, culturally well it is culturally defined obviously um knowledge and stuff but I think it it's basically like a consequence of like humans and how humans think basically, and um I think that's like a more relevant um. Wait, yeah, that could be argued as like a, a historical or social change. But um, give me a second. I'm, I'm so pleased we have three people here today, so <laughs> so that I can yeah, uh, talk to Gabriel so that I can fuck off and um, think about myself. For well, one thing that occurred to me when you were speaking, Gabriel, was that that is quite logic based. So perhaps humans have the capacity for logic all through history because they that's reasoning within a framework about having a knowledge or a taxonomy of the world. So I know what a chicken is, I know what warm-blooded things are, I know what men are. Yep. And so under that system, I can make logical statements or refute them. But I think, or uh, I would propose, or Will's the philosophy guy, so he can clear it up, that that's different to beliefs about what the world is in the first place, or opinions. Um, I do see that distinction, though. Mm. That's I, I guess that's what I was attempting to say, um, in the sense that like, um, I mean, some people are just like um, you know, like uh, parrots or whatever. But I think the example of um, disputing the the Diogenes claim is that uh, you can um, well, you can work it out through your own intellect without any without any um, you know, necessity for someone to culturally or socially tell you what to do. And maybe this contradicts me saying that people don't think that much, but I think uh, you can imagine like uh, people just if you think about like you know like the, the the conversation you have in a pub. I'm sure like that's the kind of thing that if that question was brought up for some godforsaken reason, I'm sure that like um, I, I I'm I'm sure that this would get argued out even if you don't particularly care about it. And um, because that's basically what 
tends to happen. Um, I, I, I'm also a bit upset that you mentioned I do philosophy. I tried to say as little about myself as oh, possible. <laughs> I didn't even say my you last name at the start. Didn't mean to dox you. <laughs> you can find Will in any philosophy lecture theatre at any time. Yeah, yeah I, I actually got... all of them at all times. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, stranger. I, I never leave. The uh, Hermione, Hermione Granger of third year. <laughs> it's often been said. And you are in third, third year after what? After all, so that joke well, was well. Well, luckily I have uh, the... I'm the editor, so... Uh, Who's the serious black of dads? I thought you... lost because he's away. Locked what? away. Locked away. And he'll what make a, a grand return. What well, grand return next year. Well, did you think he said serious black? Awesome. Oh no no I I heard seriously it, but black. it's just such such a yeah that's so sp- that, uh, <laughs> what a strange series of comparisons. That reminds me of the third year. Insights in fucking my... kill me honestly. <laughs> I don't know whether I talk about Harry Potter. Is it because is it because I tried to um get a question about how, what's the point of Harry Potter? That this is a rejected question. I I I said like what... no I want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm saying is that why it's on in your head? So this is a rejected question for the actual society. Mm. Which I, I don't understand why, because I think it's a great question. Of um, what is the appeal of Harry Styles? I want to know. But anyway, back on topic. <laughs> well, Gerard would say some girls like Harry Styles at school, so other girls mimetically copy what the other girls like. And so you get a mass of girls who like Damn. Harry Styles. And it could have been any handsome young man with a good voice, but. He was just in the right place at the right time. I think I think that element is uh, definitely a contributing factor. So yeah, I, I knowing next to nothing about Harry Styles, I assumed it was nominative determinism from his surname, and that was it. I'm going to promote Gerardian essentialism on this podcast from now on. Okay. I think um, I think we're legally obligated to promote Philip Goff. Yeah. And his um, panpsychist philosophies. That's for another session. Yeah, that's another session. Let's but... not confuse everybody. Yeah, but like if we're gonna promote philosophy, we have to mention Philip Goff at every. Okay, you can go moment. and look up Philip Goff G O F F as seen on the Joe Rogan Experience, and uh, uh, Lex um, Friedman as well. Yeah, and pr- probably Friedman, and probably something well, else. Let me take five minutes to ask you a question about love and <laughs> Dostoevsky, and if we could all just wake up at six a.m. and take. Vitamins, the world would be a peaceful place. I'm gonna go and eat some broccoli and some steak. <laughs> Let me have a five hour conversation with you where I reference Dostoevsky. Don't guys wait to Dostoevsky, I think you get the point. I'm, I'm smiling quite a bit. I... I love Joe Rogan though, I'll defend Joe Rogan. Okay, okay. okay. Next, that, that, that was. Um... <laughs> Good job. I wasn't expecting that to happen, frankly. No. Okay. I uh, question, question, question. I look forward to finding out who exactly Philip Goff actually is. That was, Lex no Pri- that was Lex Friedman. Oh, I had a feeling. Okay. Um, for context, but I would never, never make fun of Philip Goff. He's coming on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's been said. <laughs> okay, boys. I have an email chain. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> Um, shall we shall we try get to get back onto yeah whether or not our beliefs are due to social and historical context? Oh, okay. So my answer is um, 
kind of, but that's a consequence of, uh, I guess, uh, human reasoning. But then human reasoning chooses to emphasize uh, things that have things that are already pre-established. So, um, by default, I guess yes. Um, yeah, that's. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. And I think, yeah, I think survive beliefs that let you operate in the world. So, for example, if you believe that you don't have free will, even if you're quite convinced, like a lot of people are, that free will is an illusion, you can't really operate in the world. It doesn't really make sense to go about as an agent. Like, you're not going to consider yourself an agent, so you won't really be able to do Anything. Anything. So, in that sense, it, the belief... Maybe all the people who were paralysed by that thought just stayed in bed all day and they never reproduced and they died. <laughs> That's the kind of idea I'm getting at. Like, right. through evolution, if you don't have the belief system required or you can't, you don't have this ability to mime your tribe or what your parents believe, then... No, I, I, I do... You're outcast from the tribe or your... I do like unironically agree completely because also like um, I, I, I'm making generalizations here, but like the people who have, um, you know, the people who have quite unique beliefs on there's, there's less of them. So um, they, they, they buff less uh, genetically um, similar people and uh, maybe, yeah. Okay. I don't want to go any further into it, but something like that. Yeah, I do think I agree. Yeah. But that, that, that's not to say, I mean, that's just an, that's just a theory of what happened during evolution. Of course, now we live in an era where culture shapes things far more rapidly than, yeah, than, than evolution does. So like we have this latent maybe will to power or some, quite a lot of us have a will to power or will to status that's latent from evolution. But the real reason we had that was for reproduction, but that's kind of been lost now. But we're getting quite off topic. <laughs> that's fair to say. I think the, the basis of it is, I think we all seem to agree to some extent that the social and historical factors, like they, they can't really be ignored. I'd say you can even consider the scientific revolution to be a social and historical factor, which has changed the beliefs of people. But, I would say that that becoming more prevalent opens up in a very different way. So the beliefs people have may all sort of be vaguely dependent on the, that idea of having learned the scientific like process of thinking. But <clears throat> taking that, um, if you sort of view that as like, I guess the the uh, a standpoint from which it's branching out, people will have some like different beliefs which seem like like you can't disprove them quite so readily and that's that will be kind of that'll branch out more and more and it'll differ even if it relies on the like even from the same social standpoint like you might be able to get diversity in different ways as a result of that that's a very long-winded and unclear way of saying i'd say now social and historical factors are less impactful than they were before mm. and i think that part of that is due to the scientific revolution but ironically because it, the scientific revolution underpins that and is itself a historical and social factor, in a way you could say it all depends on it. Okay. Yeah. I'd say as like a unified theory that 
I think one's morality probably comes to a large extent from how you were raised and what happened in your childhood and that it's quite hard to change that I'm kind of I'm drawn to that idea and that one's politics are to a lesser extent informed by obviously are informed by your morality but to some some to some extent informed by the information in the world and then on the other end your beliefs about the natural world if you're a you know I don't want to be rude um but if you're a scientific person if you're truly scientific in the way you think then actually that is there is a large consensus about the natural world or mm. the nature of reality so I think there is that spectrum there that we have room and so morality it's very variable and I think dependent upon context mm. and harder to change through argument then politics easier to change through argument and science the easiest to change through argument because no one is really attached to the idea of oh the moon goes around the earth or the earth goes around the moon if they're shown evidence one way or the other whereas if they're set if, if you say to make cases like arguments for say the death penalty some people will just intrinsically i think this is just my belief but it, I, I think someone's morality and their politics is informed a lot by their personality and mm. and how they were raised and conservatism or openness I, I, I agree in general but then you've got people who yeah it's a like, very general statement I, I, yeah I mean like you've got some people who like you know believe in astrology or something like that yeah but I'm fortunate that's what I meant when I say I want to be kind is that I would just okay right. like not thinking scientifically about the natural world mm. okay I would consider them to be ignorant basically I think yeah well there we there we have it folks I mean, I personally don't really have anything to add to anything. But that having said that, if astrology informs your beliefs, I'm just thinking astrology. I like in my own mind, I'm substituting astrology for any religion at this point. Like right. if that's something that isn't obvious in the natural world, if that gives you useful beliefs about morality and politics, then the way you acquire those beliefs, I think, would fall into that camp. What what if it like leads to uh, unuseful consequences? So like maybe it's useful for you for having some kind of stability, but then you um, you know you walk around like a fairy princess or whatever. And um, is this on topic at all? I think it is because I would submit that there have been so many religions through history and so many sects of the current religions that are the most prevalent, and those which were too extreme or in which your behaviour was too extreme that you were killed by lots of people or you, you know, a religion which says don't reproduce is not going to. Okay. I think the fundamental point that I was attempting to get to is that um, even in the, uh, the context of science or whatever, there's still some people who aren't necessarily interested and then their beliefs will be guided by um, something else. And whether this is, I guess this is another thing that hasn't been touched on at all. How, current do yeah this is a good point how current do the beliefs have to be to be like you know culturally established because you know like um i don't know why i'm thinking of what i do but i'm not going to say why um so like you know you know how like ice spice is being popular recently sort of popular mm -hmm. like uh, that's and so say so some people i don't do gabriel do you know who ice spice is absolutely no idea <laughs> go on, go never on. even heard of them Explain who Ice Spice is. Um, it's a new type of drink. 
Yeah, it's 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 um many people many will many people would say it's delicious. Um, but um, anyway, so it's it's it's, it's a rapper. Oh, it's a female rapper from the U.S. of A. Okay, it's like quite a recently influenced thing, and like obviously she's gonna be influenced by other things in turn, like um, like Megan the Stallion. Um, or, um, I don't know, um... Yes, I have heard of that. That's also a rapper, right? Yeah. A person, yeah. Or, you know, her personality being like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm from New York. Oh, um, Elmo. You know, um... I, she looks a bit like Elmo, I think. <laughs> well, you're now it? talking to our dozens of listeners, <laughs> because... I think this is going over Gabriel's head and Yeah, no, I'm I'm just trying I'm just trying to okay. I'm just trying to give like a, just trying to relate it to everyone. But anyway, <laughs> Ice Spice. Um I can only name one kind of I can only name one song by her. Um it doesn't Ice Spice with My Little Ice. I I assume that's the sort of the sort of um, way it goes. Well I I'm sure there's a I think she has a nursery rhyme song probably. Um, <laughs> right, but anyway, so say if there's like a fourteen-year-old girl on TikTok, right, and she's a big fan of Ice Spice, and she's like, "Oh, I want to be Ice Spice when I'm older," and um, sure, loads, yeah, and like, I don't think they're thinking like that deeply far into the past, right? They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just thinking, "Oh, this is cool." Um, yeah, yeah. That's what I was trying to hit on earlier. That people don't really think. That is what mimetic theory would say. They don't really think or reason about their beliefs. Sure. Yeah. What I'm saying is, does that would you consider that as historical if it's based on like a couple of weeks ago? Well, it's social. Social. Yeah. So. so yeah, but two language. different things. Social. Oh, so you're saying it's both. So, well, that's a good question. Actually, yeah, yeah. That, that's that is a very good point. I guess social social context becomes historical context. I think history does play a part in informing how people believe. I mean, say... Yeah. Of, like, co- of course, yeah. In intractable conflicts, I and mean, with what's going on in the Middle East at the moment, a lot of what's cited as a problem is the history of it. If you talk to people about why they're angry, yeah. they'll say because of grievances from before they were born. Sure. Not to say that's illegitimate, but that is one of the reasons. I, I guess, like, but is, it, is that relevant to someone's daily life in the same way that their favourite pop artist is there? I mean, sometimes it can be, of course, but, like... I think, yeah, you've hit a good point with music. My music is so inherited from... It's just pure inheritance from friends and family. I, I don't... This is me, again, I'll say on personality, though. I know some people seek out music. Do you not really? But I don't really seek out music. Oh, right, yeah, because I really do mm. seek out music quite a bit. And um, it's... But even then, I'd say it's still, like, a product of um, certain, like you know, beliefs or ex- particular experiences I've had. And so I, I suppose, like, that could be argued as, like, a social thing, even though, like, most of the music I listen to isn't, like, w- with the exception of hip-hop, isn't really, like, modern at all, hmm. I suppose. What about innovative political ideas? Like, the idea of democracy, or or do we even think that's in- innovative? these ideas throughout history because some people who study history ideas would argue that if not you don't you don't necessarily have to believe in a progression of ideas but at least a novelty of ideas throughout history say the idea of money the idea of debt the idea of uh, yeah. president uh, yeah, a I, nation I, yeah i guess a 
put something pretty interesting because like even contemporary concepts like so say if i'm like a 14 year old and i'm thinking about money i'm going to be thinking about it in the modern context but obviously that's been affected by like how you know like societies developed for hundreds of years before mm -hmm. i and all the other um yeah, youth were um, able to um get an understanding of it so like the, the thing that made the cur the current thing that influences is a historical thing, but does it count as historical? If without historical context, it wouldn't have happened in the same way. Yeah, but isn't yeah. that such a... That seems like a way out, because you're just saying everything's determined, like what's come... That seems like a very trite thing to say. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, if this is... Uh, if this is... Even if it's tried, does that mean that the answer is obviously yes, historical? Well, you can make an argument and say, oh, determine everything's deterministic, so then everything's deterministic. You know, because everything's deterministic, everything's informed by... Like history. Yeah, so... That's, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm, sure, but, are sure, you but, saying anything more interesting than that? I think it's more interesting than you're giving credit for, because I'm basically just agreeing with the statement of... The question says the question must be true like because it, it inherently because otherwise you're not going to get any so like if we yeah I no i mean what I, you're saying, I, but... I, I know i don't fully agree because like if we have a blank slate and you know the world starts again but like we think the same right I, i'd probably be able to come up with the concept of money myself and then that wouldn't be a historical thing so... yeah but that's what i'm saying will like i'm saying you could argue oh <laughs> the concept of democracy came from the concept of you know in a little four man gang putting your hand up so we inherited say in tribes we maybe we had little took little votes or oh, should we go down to the river or up the hill let's vote on it yeah no, but right? that, that... so we've inherited so you could say oh democracy is inherited from that and that's what i'm saying where you're not really saying much you might just be saying uh, no i agree that it's actually a profound point that uh, maybe these things that we think of as very distinct and innovative aren't yeah, but this is yeah, this is why I mentioned like the fourteen year old girl who isn't um, you know, she's not exactly thinking of uh, like the, the, you know, things that aren't out of her immediate reach when thinking of, like the significance of things. And to be honest, I don't. It's quite a difficult thing to work out. Gabriel, do you have any thoughts? I'd say it's a bit of a semantic point, but an easy way to sort of distinguish a little bit is if you look at the precise wording of the question, always love to bring it back to that, then it is essentially whether or not our beliefs and like ideas and perspectives are predetermined by the social and historical context. Mm. And I, I'd say the statement you're making is that they are a product of it, or at least the statement that has been made is that they are a product of mm. it. Mm. I think that's certainly true. But the, the question of whether or not they're then predetermined, as in as in, it's pretty much guaranteed that I will have a certain set of beliefs oh. because my family had a certain set of beliefs. Whereas I would say that was more the case back in, say, Tudor times. I think that was the first example, but it's much less the case now. Can I bring up a, a point about Christianity? Sure. You, we've got 10 minutes. Okay. <laughs> so why I really like what you said, Gabriel, because sometimes I often... I don't want to say debate because that makes me sound annoying, but I sometimes debate with Christian people or sympathizers. Well, like in real life or like on the internet? No, not on the internet, I'm not, don't worry. Um, 
about whether what the roots of liberalism are and there are a lot of christian christians is quite mainstream uh, there's a, a historian called tom holland who's kind of the flagship oh, yeah. guy yeah of course spider-man yeah yeah <laughs> that, that joke's never the, been made the before. second <laughs> most famous tom holland on wikipedia yeah. who basically claims liberalism is a product of christianity and it's a, it's a development from protestantism further and the thing that i always say to these people is you could just as easily make the case that communism is a natural development in christianity and there are christian communists and they believe mm. that idea about christ you know sharing things and the community of believers blah 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 but then you can also make the case that fascism is a clear descendant of christianity as it was because you know it was so supported by the catholic church and <laughs> It promotes the idea of the family. It really reinforces a lot of Christian ideas. Um, it's very hierarchical. So I, I've always used that as a point, I think, against this idea of predeterminism. But you really made it clear, Gabriel, by saying product of. Because I think you could argue all three of those ideologies were influenced I, by I Christianity, but okay. it wasn't predetermined, given that we, Europe was Christian and the Middle Ages, which one we were going to end up with. Yes, okay, so you're saying that, like, the past is used in, like, a like utility base for, like, how we can um, emphasise what's currently considered, like, relevant. I would say that in... Okay, maybe from a historical perspective, all three were influenced by Christianity yeah. or took root from... took parts of Christianity that were useful to them. But it could yeah. have been something else. But the reason we ended up with liberalism is because we our empires were more powerful. We, we, that was just a coincidence of us okay, winning the war. Yeah, I agree. And maybe I've not explained it hugely well, but I'm like... Like, with the way I think, I don't really care about history whatsoever. Mm. And um, and I think this is partly because um, history, like you've been saying, history is like overused as like an oversimplified explanation. Like, oh, Christianity, obviously the, the next step is going to be whatever else. Yeah. Which I... Isn't... That's what I'm pushing against. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. Um, whether this gives a full answer to the question, I mean, to be honest, I'm not really fully sure what to say because it's quite a difficult, it's quite a loaded question, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's also almost intentionally vague. I don't think it's possible to answer the question like cogently. We're, we're not currently doing an anthropological study. Like we, we can only like present our perspectives on it and try to narrow down some of our beliefs. And I think. We've done that to some extent. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a few things that... I mean, we're never going to finalise the topic, but if there's anything, like, particularly cogent... I was going to bring in, like, a devil's... Should we give our closing thoughts? Sorry? You were going to do a devil's advocate? I, well, I mean, we're not going to... I mean, I, I think it's a bit late now. I was going to do a devil's advocate where I, I do, like, um, you know, just some, like, more and being like, uh, me mum says this, so... Uh, <laughs> Of course, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> fuck those pofters in uh, the Middle Ages. You know, that kind of thing. Looking forward to that being cut. Um, so... <laughs> All right, okay. okay, I want to say, there's another thing I want to say, actually. Okay. okay. So, do you two believe that... I've tried to get this idea across that the scientific revolution was some kind of innovative way, innovative way of thinking. And in the modern era as well, like modern psychology... Quite a lot of the people are now educated about bias or types of bias and so on and so on. Do you two think there are things that we haven't discovered yet, say, in the history of ideas? Or 
how would we know? Well, I guess it's a trivial question. You can't know what you don't know, but I I have an I, I have this suspicion that scientific thinking is the end game. That there's nothing that can go beyond that for reasoning about beliefs. Now, maybe I'm making too strong a statement because I'm only really talking about objective, like the natural world. I'm not really talking about politics and morality. Mm. But can you kind of try and see, can you sort of see what I'm trying to say? I think vaguely. Uh, essentially, a statement that thinking scientifically is an almost objectively best way of thinking about, say, the natural world. Okay, here's something to kind of, I think I made, I raised this point when we had this debate two years ago at the end. And no one responded to it because I gave it at the end. And it was probably a non sequitur, so I'll give it here. Hopefully you have something to um, say, but maybe you won't, and that's fine. You're going to repeat the trauma again, right? No, there's no trauma. Okay, so there's this idea in computer science, in artificial intelligence, that the way we think of, like, a chicken, like, we can see that a chicken can't reason, or that a chicken could never do algebra or solve differential equations. And there's this meme in computer science that well, a super artificial intelligence will view us in the same way. And so I'm just trying to make an analogy from that into beliefs, as in, all, are all possible beliefs and ideas accessible to us, or are some just so beyond us? Because the same way we can't expect a chicken to understand what republicanism is, mm. you can't expect a human to, to understand X. Like the nature of God or something similar to that. Something like that, that's a good point. Yeah. I, my personal belief, and it is a purely a belief, um, is that humans are capable of, like, comprehending, uh, like, I suppose it depends on, like, the size of the information they're trying to comprehend. But, like, beyond a literal, like, oh, yeah, it would take, you know, 200 years to express this information, I believe that humans would be capable of, like, comprehending it. Mm. Um, a large part of the reason why I believe that is, like, basically purely pr practical reasons, in that... I don't know how helpful it is to assume that we have a limit. I think I think the human limit is a lot higher than we go for. Like if you, if we put each other in torture chambers and force, you know, f you know, your entire life is for one specific purpose of understanding something, one specific thing. Then I'm sure that like humans can understand something more intensely than their um, than is currently uh, natural or encouraged to do. Like even like. Um, like you know the the notion of like the, the tortured genius mm. i'm sure that like uh if um if anyone tortures themselves more and forces them to, to do something they can have a deeper belief than that yeah I, th I think what i'm trying to communicate is this idea that like for example we quite comfortable idea that we can't visualize in seven dimensions but we can reason about seven dimensions because we have vectors that's the kind of point yeah. to which is trying to get at where he's saying I, because I we have computers we can about. reason about this stuff <laughs> But we still can't visualize seven dimensions. So maybe there are just some ideas or political beliefs or moral beliefs that are <coughs> the whole, like what Sam Harris calls the moral landscape. Do you mean like a base human? Because you can, for example, have computation, which is capable of maybe visualizing is wrong. But like, I mean com human with computer. Yeah. yeah, well, if you consider human with computer, then there are like what? There's a VR game that can just. Um, like do the fourth dimension basically, mm. so you can vaguely vision. I I mean it's just a representation. Yeah, yeah. Can't you? Vi sorry, it's just in time. It's not like we. If you can program a computer to comprehend the the fourth dimension, 
and a human spends enough time comprehending it. Their brain, sh like, I don't see why it wouldn't adapt. Mm. In the same sense, it can technically adapt to having a third limb. You know, um, mm. like just some random robotic. I'm, limb I'm not. I'm not allergic to the idea. Actually, if say like you had a brain in a vat, mm. that's like yeah, that's like a kind of weird computer. I'm open to the idea it could visualize in higher dimensions or. Yeah, like dimensions. the reason why we can't is because of the way we perceive, like the way we take in sensory information. Yeah. But if we simply did it through another means, I don't see why it would be impossible. That's but even then, even if we can't, we can get a computer to. Yeah. At which point, you know, we just need to interpret what the computer is doing. But if you, yeah. So I'd say my belief is that it's possible. But in the same sense, like, for a similar reason to why I believe in objective morality, it's mostly for practical reasons, in that I don't think it, it's really that helpful to basically be like, well, humans are going to, we're just, we're just going to stop at some point. Well, why don't we just choose to stop now? Well, there it's you like, go. Yeah you're, yeah, you're revealing, yeah, the usefulness of your beliefs is why you hold them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, well, well, speaking of choosing to stop, um, I'm pretty tired. No, that, yeah. that's fair enough. Well, transhumanism will be discussed at a later uh, date. I, I in the society. By the yeah, way, when I, when I said about uh, were you traumatised, the reason I said that is because I'm traumatised by everything. Okay, that's good. I mean, doesn't sound like it's good. Well, it's not good, but, but it makes me feel better, which is good. There was a positive outcome. Thank you for listening to the Dad's podcast yes. with me, Sam War. Yes, thank you very much. You um, meant to say it as well. It can't just be me. I was waiting for Gabriel to say it because well, well, I, I assumed he was going time. back the other way. Oh, I'm sorry. But, um, okay. Yeah, Gabriel yeah. speaks last. Leaders speak last. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, um, the uh, unelected leader of the society. Um, so this I'm is elected. Oh, you're describing Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let's all describe each other. Good, good idea. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's there's nothing you can say about me. Of course I can. Will is wearing a wool woolen jumper. <laughs> oh. <laughs> woolen jumper. Yep. A wool jumper, and he's confused about Harry Styles, and he's on the <laughs> exact <laughs> that, that, and has interesting thoughts. Confused about Harry Styles makes it sound and we'll like. We'll be back next week. That makes it sound like I'm questioning something, you know. Well, you are. <laughs> Hoisted by your own. I'm I'm a, I'm a heterosexual. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, but anyway, I'm I'm well. Um, and thank you, Dad's seven thirty Alfred Riverside. Wait, you need to let Gabriel. Give <laughs> oh, but, um, anything you'd like. Will to... almost press the stop button. Oh dear. I mean, it would have been a travesty. But I am, of course, Gabriel, the president of Dad's this year, and thank you very much for listening. Yep, as Will put it. Every Wednesday, ER143, that's Elbert Riverside, at 7.30pm. It would be lovely to see you there. Feel free to tell us if you massively disagree or completely agree with our ideas. Thank you. Goodbye. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.